Last week here on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had Paul Noel with Nipendo to talk about an intelligent intermediator between buyers and sellers using technologies like robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to streamline interactions and benefit all trading partners. The Nipendo platform is used by cross-vertical, medium-sized, and large companies across the globe, helping them reduce costs and improve procurement and supply chain efficiencies, as well as supporting their competitive strength. If you missed the conversation, don't worry. You can tune in on your very own time via Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can also watch our podcasts and live shows on YouTube if you're a visual person like me. And subscribe and turn on notifications on whatever platform you want so you can catch up with every single episode. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions. Stop building point-to-point solutions. If you are a retailer, manufacturer, logistics provider, or technology company, you can build a single integration to Orderful's API, and Orderful will validate, translate, and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners. Orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit Orderful, O-R-D-E-R-F-U-L.com and speak to an EDI expert today. All right, my friends, it's about time to dive into today's episode, which is a super fun one. It's different than our usual Let's Talk Supply Chain episodes and one I keep getting questions about. So I think you're really going to get a kick out of it. And I'll give you a hint. It involves somebody who is very vocal about things changing in the industry. But before we get to our poll of the week, did you know that if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show and we dive into why you should work with them and whether you're even an ideal client for them. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com and in the search bar, put in your keyword and all of our content will come up on that keyword. And then you can actually check out some of the companies in supply chain that you're potentially looking to work with and learn all about them before you even get into their sales funnel. So let's get to our poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, what are you trying to do to ensure you smash your goal for 2023? 41% of you said focusing on learning more. 35% of you said working on my habits Well, we all know that that takes 30 days. 22% of of you said changing my mindset and 2% of you said other. 
Adrian said, I'm working on all of the things that are mentioned above. Started doing yoga and exercise in the morning. Awesome. I love to hear that. Brent said, doing the same thing and hoping for a new result. Well, we hope that that works out for you, but we all know the saying. So good luck with that. Thank you to everybody who um, weighed in on our poll of the week. You know that we ask a question every single Wednesday morning, so make sure to head over to our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. Okay, so let's get to today's podcast, shall we? I hope you didn't cheat and look at our YouTube live event page to see which episode we have for you today. If you did or did not, settle in and get ready because either way, you're in for a show. Why? Well, Eric Johnson is here with a very special guest, and Eric hosts one of our most popular live shows on Let's Talk Supply Chain called Log Tech Live, focusing on technology in our industry. But today, if you want to learn more about the latest trends in logistics and supply chain, keep listening because Anthony Miller uh, joined Eric Johnson to talk all about what is happening in supply chain tech. And let me tell you, it is going to change the way you think about innovation in our industry. So without further ado, here is Eric and Anthony. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of LogTech Live in 2023. My God, how did we get so far uh, that we're in 20, 2023? Crazy. Um, so glad you could join us today. I'm Eric Johnson, uh, technology editor at the Journal of Commerce when I'm not hosting this show twice monthly. Uh, we have a great show lined up for today. Uh, fantastic guest who uh, thankfully could sub in for the guest that I was originally going to have uh, but you're, you won't be disappointed. Uh, he's great, super thought-provoking on a number of issues that are directly relevant to the things that I care about. Um, before we get in, before I bring my guests on, uh, oh boy, my dog is barking in the background, so uh, you're going to have to make do with uh, some commentary uh, from the peanut gallery over here. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, before we get into the news of the week and I bring my guest on, I just wanted to mention again some upcoming events uh, that are that are coming up. First of all, and most important to me, TPM Tech is, I think, like 47 days away, something like that. I was 50 at some point this week. I lost track of the days. I'm not good at math. That's why I went into journalism. Um, but it's February 23rd in Long Beach. Really hope to see you there. Uh, as you can see in the scrolling banner here, uh, you can get 25% off a pass to uh, TPM Tech with uh, that code, uh, EJTPM25, I think it is. Um, so really hope to see you there. We have, By the way, TPM, is, which is happening right after TPM Tech, is going to be amazing this year. We have the CEOs of MSC, uh, ONE, uh, DHL forwarding, uh, Project 44, Flexport. Um, I'm forgetting a, a million others. The new, uh, the new head of the Americas for CMA CGM, uh, and so many amazing panels put together by my amazing colleagues on a variety of issues. We also have a new element called TPM Academy, which is for kind of people that are newer to the industry to go really deep on very specific topics, everything from like understanding Inco terms to uh, better implementing technology into your into your uh, department. So tons and tons of stuff. Definitely encourage you to look through the agenda and be very intrigued and have no other option but to come. And so hopefully we'll see you in Long Beach in a few weeks. 
Uh, before then, I will be at the Manifest Conference in uh, Las Vegas, uh, which is, I think, January 31st through Feb 2nd. I'm doing a couple panels, including one that will be really fun on the very first day about why how, how you pitch a journalist like myself. So I'll give you some tips about what to do and what not to do. Um, and uh, really looking forward to that. I think Sarah uh, at Let's Talk Supply Chain will also be there. So uh, it, it, seek us out. It should be a, a really fun event uh, and a always fun place to be. So um, with that out of the way, let's uh, get into news of the week. Uh, it's been kind of a quiet holiday period relative to the madness of the last uh, two to three years. I, I sort of got completely accustomed to there always being 10 news stories every single day. So having to weed myself off of that idea and back to the normal kind of like prosaic logistics industry that we were more used to uh, before the pandemic. Um, but one of the interesting stories that my colleague Bill Cassidy wrote earlier this week was C.H. Uh, Robinson's uh, CEO abruptly sort of leaving. Um, while things like this are always surprising, I don't. I, I think some of the writing was on the wall. CH had, had had some issues in terms of meeting uh, financial uh, targets, I guess, from uh, the uh, the public investment landscape. So, um, I think the interesting thing now is where where do they go from here? And there's been a lot of speculation, both about is CH going to you know hive off its forwarding unit or some other part of its business, focus on its core business. Is it going to keep those businesses and try to repackage them in an interesting way? Who will be the next CEO? Is it going to be someone who's a little more tech oriented? Uh, someone who's a little more international oriented? Um, do they get acquired? Uh, does the whole company get acquired or merged into another company to try to take advantage of CH's huge domestic transportation footprint and kind of marry that with a more global 3PL? Obviously, tons of interesting, uh, you know, uh, avenues and, and tons of speculation going around. I don't really have a good view into what uh, their next step will be or should be. Um, I'm more of a reporter than a uh, prognosticator, so um, but we'll be watching with interest. So definitely encourage you to to read that story. My colleague uh, Bill forgot more about trucking than than most people uh will ever know so definitely encourage you to read his take on kind of next steps for ch robinson um and that's and and this might be a topic that we dive into with my guest today um the next story i wanted to highlight from uh last week was a, a story i did kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum right I talked in uh, earlier in December with uh, a small technology provider that caters to forwarders and a, a very early stage forwarder, literally one that was founded in 2022, about how they were working together to build uh, a quoting tool that the forwarder would find useful to kind of provide an instant quoting mechanism for customers coming to its website. The company called Waysync, uh, super early, also founded in 2022, I think five people um, to me, the interesting piece was these two companies, both kind of at the same path in their or same point in their arc, uh, working together in a very symbiotic relationship to, uh, further their own individual ambitions, right? The, the, the forwarder needs help with a product that it can kind of help mold and, and, and mold to its own needs. And the, uh, the, early stage technology provider needs actual input from potential customers to understand 
where it needs to go with its product instead of just building something and hoping that that companies will come um, to the table. So really interesting. I think we'll see a lot more of this in the future. So let's go into the next story, which is a, a piece that I did about, uh, this is a couple of weeks back, right before Christmas, um, writing about Freitas and Equiline, um, both kind of edging their way into the, into the U.S. domestic market um, through products that are sort of ancillary services to their core you know, kind of global logistics focus. Ecu, biggest co-loader in the world, uh, neutral NVO. Um, Freitas, uh, you know, predominantly an air cargo and ocean freight, like rate management uh, slash uh, rate marketplace, um, building in services to kind of tap into this massive U.S. domestic transportation market that everybody wants a piece of. Super fragmented, hard to break into, at scale, uh, easy to break into at to some level, hard to break into and make a real meaningful impact. But everyone wants a piece of that, and so uh, really interesting to see kind of for uh, companies that are really internationally focused try to like attach those domestic transportation services to their platforms. Ecu is really interesting too. They've predominantly catered only to uh, forwarders as their customers, but they are increasingly see opportunities to provide digital solutions directly to shippers. So sort of their, in some way, their customers, customers. Um, and it's a, I won't say it's an uneasy relationship, but it's it's a difficult path for them to tread to sort of keep those forward customers happy while also seeing an opportunity to serve shippers that, you know, may may not be getting the solutions they want from those, uh, from those forwarders. So Lots of interesting stuff going on uh, on the technology side, as usual, even if the sort of pace of investment and uh, it, it slowed down a little bit. Um, so the last piece I'll, I'll highlight is my newsletter, not the one that came out today, but one just before the new year. This was the second guest post by uh, one of my favorite sort of uh, people in the industry, Jonah McIntyre. He founded a company called TNX Logistics. That was a, a freight brokerage uh, spot rate optimization software that got acquired by uh, Transporion. Transporion, meanwhile, just got acquired by Trimble uh, a couple of weeks ago. So now they are a part of Trimble. But Jonah wrote for me a few months, uh, maybe two months ago, about uh, Microsoft's sort of supply chain software ambitions. Really well received, super insightful. And you did the same when AWS came out with their own sort of splash a, a couple weeks later. Finally got around to publishing this um, a few weeks after the AWS announcement. Absolutely worth your while. Jonah understands this space really intently because, or really well because he himself has used AWS to sort of build his early stage um, product. Um, so definitely encourage you to read last week's newsletter as well as the one that came out today, which was about uh, pricing power in the forwarding software market. Which is probably an interesting lead-in, uh, or as interesting a lead-in as I could possibly have for our guest today, who is Anthony Miller. Anthony, so glad you could join us. Uh, Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So a couple things. Originally, I was supposed to have an investor, uh, Ernest Sweat, uh, join us. He had a last-minute issue come up that forced him to cancel, unfortunately. We will have him back at some point. Anthony who we, I chat with often, was gracious enough to be a more than worthy stand-in uh, today. And I've been meaning to have you on the show anyway, so this was just a perfect opportunity to... It's the first show of the year, so uh, you know, yeah, what, what we're better time set, to... Yeah, we're going to set the tone today, right? So Anthony has been 
probably the most prominent voice in global logistics technology on LinkedIn that I can think of over the last year, right? You, you, you post literally every day. You have uh, very insightful slash uh, provocative slash searing, uh, in some cases, uh, posts. But before we get into that, because I do want to get into that, um, give people a little bit of background on yourself. What, what, how come you are writing about logistics technology every day on LinkedIn? Uh, so it all started because I tried to get out of this industry. I, I tried to run away, um, <laughs> after, wow. after, yeah, after my experience with wise, yeah, well, after my experience with wise tech and, and that coming to an end, I was like, right, there goes, you know, six and a bit years of my life. So let's try something different. Um, well, just so what, back in. what was your experience with wise tech, by the way? What give people, yeah, I, I was quite fortunate, um, I guess I've been, I've actually, you know, it's, it's, you got to say it when it's true. I, I was really lucky. I've been really lucky in life. Um, you know, I was fortunate to to emigrate from the UK to France when I was, when I was very young, um, which allowed me to get a great education, learn another language and everything ended up leading to um, me getting a, an internship at WiseTech at like age 21 or something, um, which is just very random, uh, I guess. And um it was uh, it was a great experience there that that internship great and it led to a job. So I uh, I moved to uh, moved to Sydney, moved to Australia, uh, met Richard, met Vlad, and uh, started out in marketing. Worked there for three years, and then um, decided that for some reason Australia wasn't for me, and I missed Europe. Um, I question that decision every day. I'm I'm, I'm one of those uh, eternal nomads, I guess, who is uh, going to be traveling quite a lot throughout my life. But I guess there's there's worse things. And uh, moved back to Europe, working in M and A, and that was the that was probably the most interesting part of the six years there. Um, that that's where I really got to see the industry uh, inside and out, and and learn a lot a lot about customs, a lot about compliance. I got to I got to see that you know uh, freight forwarding isn't just about moving things from A to B. There's uh, customs and compliance is a big big chunk of that and uh, there's there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes so I, I got to fall in love with an industry i guess um covid put an end to that journey uh with wise tech and um that's when i decided i was going to try and run away <laughs> from logistics but it just claws you back in logistics just just i don't know what it is the the industry is so exciting and ever-changing and evolving and people some people would say it's still stuck in you know, a time that in the past, but I, I don't see that. It, it's a mixture of both. You know, you've got the great people and the processes, and then you've got tech, and they're all trying to come together. And we're we're in the middle of something right now, which is just amazing to see. And if anything, Wise Tech were, I wouldn't say they're early to the game, but they're, they're, they've definitely built something great, and they're in this great position today. But you know, they could be the legacy tech tomorrow, kind of thing. Um, if they don't go anywhere fast because and i think we'll talk about that afterwards with m a and companies growing and potentially growing too much and then struggling to to find their place but um it, we're at a very it's a very interesting industry and anyone who's in it now are very fortunate i feel because we're going to see some great evolution over the next five to ten years um especially now that google microsoft and everyone are really starting to get involved and flexport brought lots of eyes onto the into the space and lots of money as well which you know some people love um it, it's allowed a lot of uh, tech businesses to start up that, that weren't here unfortunately not many of them are trying to solve new problems or real problems they're, they're just um bringing more solutions to the same things but we'll get there we are going to get there and um, the next few years are going to 
sort that out a little bit, I think. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I think that helps, maybe helps give people a little bit of background who may have read your post but didn't realize you had that that background. What was the, we talked about this, I think, last summer um, when we first chatted. What was the impetus for sort of writing every, so consistently and having the viewpoint that you do on LinkedIn, what what sort of made you go, okay, I need to be like a voice in this industry through this uh, channel? So that's actually a really interesting question. It, it started out, I, I was, um, so I was working freelance marketing for some companies outside of the industry, but I, I missed, I started missing logistics and I think my girlfriend would have ended up leaving me if I kept talking to her about it because every time something was happening, I was like, oh, babe, this is happening in logistics. She's like, I don't, this is not my thing. Sorry. So I had to, you know, find, find an outlet with that. And um, there she find it uninteresting. That's unacceptable. It's <laughs> every, every person. Is I mean, that's what I said, but you know, uh, <laughs> everyone can decide what they enjoy, I guess. Um, but if you don't like logistics, you have to be crazy. It's, it's, it's such an amazing thing. Um, but from there, I, I had to find something. And I was working with this nonprofit, um, uh, Weavise, who were trying to build a mentoring platform. And I think they're actually starting back up. That didn't quite pan out. And hopefully they're starting back up because there's some great people. Um, and I wanted to show them the power of social media because obviously I only had a small LinkedIn profile. I had 400 connections. There was nothing going on. I wasn't posting, no interaction. So I, I basically said to them, listen, don't listen to me. Just watch this. And I started posting every day, no matter what was going on, I would make a point of posting every day. And I did that consistently. I think I missed, I must've missed about five days over six months. Um, and that's how it started. But after a while I was like, hang on a second. I'm reading because you need to interact on LinkedIn. Otherwise there's no point. And I'm reading other people's content. And I realized that a lot of it, and I know this is going to come across in the wrong way, but a lot of it is people congratulating each other for not much. Um, a business will post something and say, we did this. And everyone's like, yay. But when you think about it and you dig deep into the numbers or what they're talking about, they didn't do much. They haven't changed anything concrete. It's just, we do celebrate small victories. Don't get me wrong, but there was no real truth. There was no real debate. There was no real, what is going on? So um I started looking into that. And I think one of the big catalysts for me and something that helped me grow as well as, you know, on LinkedIn, my presence was um, when uh, when P44 spoke, um, launched their movement platform. And um, everyone was like, yay, well done. This is amazing. And I just turned around and said, well, what is it? <laughs> After watching the, the presentation and everything, and I just said, what is it? And, you know, nobody could really answer. And it just went from there. Um, I don't think anyone can still answer that question, actually. But anyway, we'll leave that for another time. Well, I, no, I, I think what's interesting, and, and I have an, I have a follow-up question about kind of what your process is for deciding what to write about day-to-day. -day. Um, as someone who also is tasked with figuring out what to write about each week, and um, I'm very interested in that. I think the, the P44 thing was interesting because it's not that you're right or wrong, but you are sort of like tickling parts of people's brains that I think they have thoughts about themselves and they don't know whether they're right or wrong about it either, but they're reticent to put it out because you're right. Like, especially LinkedIn tends to be a very sort of self-congratulatory environment in some cases. I, I hate 
like, I don't know if people understand. I know they're trying to be really nice, but I don't know if, when I write something and someone says, this is fantastic. Eric is the best. This like, I recoil at that. Cause my natural thing is like, you're not supposed to like me. You're supposed, I'm supposed to, you're supposed to like question me. And I'm, you know, yeah. it's, and I know I, I sound like very ungrateful and I don't mean to sound that way, but there's that instinct. It's like, wait, what? If you agree with me, I don't trust what I don't trust your judgment, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's what's been interesting to observe your post. Not that I agree. Not that I agree with everything you you write, or I, you know, I, I. It sometimes it makes me go and look at my presumptions about the thing that you're writing about. And maybe it maybe it strengthens them, or maybe it makes me. But that's that's what I want. That's that's, exactly. that's the effect that I'm trying to get. I want yeah. people to read something and go, hmm, and think about it, and then you know go and do some research, go and talk to some other people, go and figure it out, and make your own, you know, op- form your own opinions and make decisions. Because one of the things that I've really been noticing, um, you know, we can talk about the visibility space. There's there's, I guess there's very few players when you think about it. And a lot of it, as I've said, is the same data in different wrappers from different providers yeah. at the end of the day, right? You, yeah. you know, you can look at Ocean. It's an aggregation just... in a lot of cases, right? So it's how you sort of... What's that, sorry? It's an aggregation game. So it's yeah. Sort of oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, it, the, the thing is, it, it, it kind of boggles the mind because you've got this, everyone's selling the same thing and there's, there's not much to it. You could probably build a, you know, data scraping pretty quickly. When you talk about ocean, I'm not talking about land. Like I'm not going to get involved in that. There's a lot more complicated, you know, very fragmented and there's a lot there to take into account. But when you're talking about the ocean side of things, which really blew up as well, um, you know, last year, everyone was talking about it. You've got this, um, I don't know. It's just, I wanted people to go and look at it and actually look at the data and actually figure out what they were getting and what they're paying for because companies are spending a lot of money on this. I mean, when you listen to the likes of P44 talk about the money they're making and how much people are paying and contracted revenue, again, I won't go there. Um, it's, it's this whole, it's expensive for potentially nothing. And people need to ask the questions before they find out six months, 12 months after signing a contract that, actually they're not getting what the marketing material says. And that's a big problem. And that's something I'm trying to challenge in our industry. The marketing material is often very different from what people are actually getting. And when you talk to, you know, BCOs who, who use this tech or, or freight forwarders, 3PLs, whatever, that a lot of them are, they're, they're signing up for something and then they're left scratching their heads. And you can talk about CargoWise in the same way because CargoWise, everyone says it's the best platform for, for freight forwarders and, you know, well, Everyone doesn't say that. Sorry, I say that. And it is the leading platform. You you cannot argue that it isn't the best solution for the top 3PLs out there. Yeah. It's the best global platform. Um, but again, if you don't work with a consultant, uh, you know, a CargoWise partner, once you take the platform on, you might as well just use a pen and paper at the end of the day because it's very complicated and you need to know that you're going to go through that. And people don't really talk about that either. They just talk about how great it is if they love it or how tedious it is if they hate it. But they don't say, well, if you actually take it, and it is expensive, as as, as you know, I wrote about the other day, if you actually use the solution and get a partner to help you set it up, you've got a great piece of software. But that that whole you don't get that whole picture, and it, you don't get the thought provoking full. Oh, this is the process I'm going to have to go through. So yeah, it, it's hard. It is hard because people want all the information, but you can't give them everything because you're then giving your opinion, your position, yeah. and that's that's not the truth. That's your truth. That's your logic. 
And and that's unfair. You can't just say to people, yeah, this is how it is. No, that's what you think. Maybe they're in a different position. Every freight forwarder is different. Every business is unique. And, you know, cargo-wise may not be the right fit for everyone. Um, it, it isn't the right fit for everyone. There's a lot of great solutions out there. So, so I mean, cargo-wise is interesting. It's probably the company that, like, especially in my newsletter that I've sort of written about or or tangentially about the most um because i you know i like to say they don't have a they don't have a dominant share of the forwarding market but they have a dominant share of the market that has invested in some sort of platform right that's the way i try to think about it um so am i wrong on that a and 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 uh well, before I ask, I mean, I'm not supposed to ask two questions. Okay, WiseTech, CargoWise, the, 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 yeah. where, where do they sit if you think about it today? You, you can look at them pre-acquisition spree and then post-acquisition spree if you want, but at the end of the day, they're the same company. They they conquered their home market. They sit there. They've got full control of that market. Um, they're in a great position and there's not much their customers can do, which is why they've faced quite a bit of you know scrutiny over there from their customers because their customers feel trapped i guess with the platform there's there's no other options it's very sticky oh and and that yeah we can talk about yeah i mean that's by design right but that's great software any any software i mean once you're in apple or google's ecosystem you don't want to leave you know i'm I'm stuck with android for life now with my phone because i just don't want to go through the process of learning an iphone and changing ecosystems um but but in saying that um wise tech have pivoted I mean, they've pivoted so they've changed names so many times. You know, Wise Tech, Cargo Wise. Once the one day it's the company, then the product, Cargo Wise One, etc. There's there's been a lot of testing the water and figuring figuring out where they want to be positioned. Now we're seeing them um, focus on the the top end, right? Focus on the Armstrong and Associates top twenty five freight forwarder list. That could be a Wise Tech a who's who of Wise Tech's current and potential customers, if, if you want to look at it that way. And um, that they're, they're they're now shifting to build for that specifically and the rest is like a side thought i guess um that that's how i see wise tech today that's that's where i think they're positioned and um you know credit to them what they've done i mean when when you, when someone asked me who are wise tech's competitors um i asked who, who what are you asking about top top 25 top 100 nobody um for the rest of it then take your pick because it's it's anyone's email game there's so many great solutions email and excel that's their competitors for the most oh, i mean why not hey listen if you're if you're willing to pay a load of consultants to build you something then you could probably build your own solution but it'll take you a long time a lot of effort and um today with all the providers out there it's probably not worth it because mm -hmm. um, i mean with it, it was stagnant, right? You've, you had CargoWise, and then you've got, um, so CargoWise, Descartes, Magaya, Blue Jay, who used to be Keywall. You had this whole kind of stagnant looking um, thing where you'd pick one and that's it. That when, when they would go up against each other, you'd usually have the same three names at the top and you just, that's how those processes were. Um, SAP tried something with DHL. We all know how that went. But then you look at um, today, there's a lot of new solutions coming out. Um, go for it. Interesting one. Go for it. That actually, that's the one I was thinking about. I'm glad you said a name because I'm saying all these names. I'm glad you said one there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go for it's actually a great example of a company that's building software for an SMB market. Um, I don't think they're going to have pretensions for enterprise right now, or at least I hope they don't, because that's how you're going to slip up. But if they're focusing on that smaller um, freight forwarder market, they can build a great product. I've said for a long time a cargo wise light would be amazing. 
um, they're probably not going to do it. But a cargo-wise light would be great because that segment, that that long tail yeah. SMB, smaller freight forwarders, there's so many, and they need great software too. You, they're not just an afterthought; they do yeah. need these products. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an interesting, you know, software is interesting, and there's so many platforms now. And, and when we look at um, cargo-wise and their stickiness, it's something that's always fascinated me because. I spoke about their pricing and their price increases recently. Um, I, I, mentioned it. I mentioned that in my newsletter too. Yeah, was I saw it. I mentioned it. So yeah. Yeah, I was. I, I read it, and I, I was just. They they do it often. You know, people don't see this, but if you look at it, if you get the price lists, and if you look at things, you you know, Wise Tech are changing their pricing every you know three times a year or something. I guess I know they'll probably put something out and say, oh, this is actually what we do. Whatever, it's like two three times a year they probably change their pricing. Um, they've got this way of making more revenue appear. It's it's pretty fantastic. But when you realize that adding just a twenty cent charge on something can increase by um, you know, 15, 20% a monthly bill for one of these top three PLs. How sticky does your solution need to be for them to keep accepting it? That's my question. You know, how, how far are they going to be able to go before people over at DSV or something who have been on the platform for nearly 20 years go, hang on, we're paying how much for what? And they've done what? And they work it all out. Yeah, you know. Well, my, it, 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 I'm, I may be stealing the thunder from my own newsletter this week, but I likened it to a, like a house that you're really comfortable in and that you've paid, you've paid a mortgage on for 10 years and you've paid a down payment and your, your family's lives are intertwined with this house and you love your neighbors yeah. and, and, but, but the property tax goes up a lot over like a two year period. Like what is, what's the threshold at which you say, nope, can't do this anymore. Even if it's unpleasant for everybody involved right that's i think the the consideration i mean you yeah and there's the need as well right right now there's no way to replace so there's no yeah you can't replace cargo wise with something else like there's there's no one other solution there's no option there if you've got cargo wise anything you're going to use that's not a like there's no like for like so you're going to be stepping down you're going to be sacrificing something on the principle that you don't want to pay more money um but in saying that, we're getting to the point now with you know technology changing, all the money flowing in, innovation. We're actually getting to the point where you could replace a cargo wise in the near future. Not, I don't think today, but in the near future, you could potentially replace them with a handful of solutions that will be able to work seamlessly together. Which is something we're all building towards. There's there's you know yeah. solutions that focus on that, but also the new solutions appearing. They're being very open, and they they, they want to make sure that there's collaboration because they know that's the future. Wise takes the opposite, right? They want to be the apple of the industry. So when when we look at that, um, you know, I, I think within five or ten years, maybe even sooner, mm. there's going to be a lot of questions asked, and that there's some great solutions out there that that people could start moving towards. One of the questions I would love to have answered, and I've asked this in a few conversations, I never got an answer. When I was at WiseTech, I worked on the custom strategy and the acquisitions there, right? Which was amazing. There was a strategy for MA, went out and acquired companies everywhere. It feels like it was everywhere, um, specifically for customs, because it's very important. Uh, customs in, in freight forwarding is huge. Um, it's taken them a long time to figure that out, even after acquisitions with some countries like Brazil, for example. They just said that they've achieved something in Brazilian accounting compliance. That is a tough nut to crack, and it's took them a long time. But um, what, what, what I'm thinking now is who of the top comp- the top customers is using that customs functionality? Do they want to put more eggs in the same basket when you know we're talking about cybersecurity quite a lot now and things like that as well? 
how risky is it to have all of your forwarding and then all of your customs sitting on the same platform? What does that mean for a you know a four hour out outage, a ninety minute outage, a twelve hour outage, a whole weekend of the system being down? There's also questions there that you know that nothing's hundred percent secure. And I know CargoWise have got a great track record, but from a you know proactive perspective you need to ask those questions. So that's going to be another one for them to answer as, well, as cybersecurity becomes something bigger. I agree. And cyber is an issue that I have not touched upon enough on this show and I need to more in 23. That's definitely a resolution for this year. Um, before we move away from CargoWise, because we, we're, sure. we're fast running out of time and I have so many questions for you. I probably have to have you back at some point. Um, awesome. You mentioned at the outset something I wanted to talk about, which is this sort of doomed path that companies have to be on the, the there's the old business adage, you grow or die. Mm -hmm. Stagnation is, is the, you know, the devil. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, you either have to organically grow or go, you know, what cargo is, which, which is what a lot of logistics software providers do when they get to a certain scale is they just start to acquire for customer books of customers for regions for to add in a, a missing function or component that they don't have. Mm -hmm. But but what what I see, and I've written about this, and we've talked about it on the show before, is it there's not often a lot of tight integration between these acquisitions that are made. And it ends up just being a catalog of systems rather than one like unified platform. How do you sort of can a company get bigger and better or are they sort of doomed to just get bigger and not as good as they were before they got bigger? I don't think we've got the answer to that yet because we haven't, we haven't seen the success story in our industry. Um, it doesn't matter who you look at, but we've seen a lot of failures. So we know what not to do. And that's important because then the next time it can be done better and we need to learn from other people's mistakes so uh, i'm not i'm not trying to be vague but we could look at e2open for example they made acquisitions they tried to build something they got bigger didn't really get better um we can look at WiseTech. that they, they definitely got bigger uh, they did their strategy customs we haven't had answers to the questions we don't know who's using it as far as I'm aware, they still have many countries where they haven't integrated the product. And I think this comes down to integrations. The integrations are not just about the financial and the control aspect. You, you, you can have, you know, you can in, integrate the, the finance aspect of the, of the company. You can integrate the tech. You can take control. That's all great. But you really need to succeed in your integration strategy with the product. And, you know, CargoWise is a great example, I think. Germany's still not done for customs. I think Brazil, they're just starting to talk about things now. Before they made that Brazilian announcement, I'm hearing from forwarders, people using the legacy product in Brazil, that the quality of the product and the, the service they've been getting has dropped since the acquisition. Because when you take a team and you split them, I don't know how Cargo, how Wisetech split the team, but let's just say, for argument's sake, they split them 50-50 and you have half of them working on the legacy product and then half of them working on the actual integration into CargoWise to have one product natively, um, the, the quality is going to drop. So you can't afford to take four or five years. And I think that's what has hit CargoWise and WiseTech hard. This has been a very drawn out integration process. E2Open's problem is they haven't told anyone who they are. We don't know what they're doing. No, nobody really knows what they're trying to achieve. We're still waiting for that moment where they say, this is our new 
global offering. This is what we've built. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and, or, and then you can end up like Descartes, which is a portfolio of companies. It, you go on Descartes' website, you, you look at the, you know, the menu at the top and the, the, the nav bar, and there's, you know, it's a who's who of who we acquired and what we do. But there's no real consistency to it. And they're a great company, you know, for niche needs and things like they're great. They haven't, I'm not they haven't, they haven't a hidden behind that. I think they've always seen themselves as like a, a federation of of products, not necessarily like one integrated suite. I know, and that's fine. But where where does that get you? If you if you've got an if you've got an M and A strategy and and you're doing M and A, where does it get you? I mean, sure, spend money buy logos, but then you get stuck in this need to do it. So you're going to keep having every so often to go out there to acquire companies to get yeah. new logos to get new functionality to grow. Otherwise, you're going to be stagnant, and we know that stagnant companies usually end up declining. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a very interesting problem that I don't think anyone in the logistics space, like in log tech, freight tech, has managed to to do the right to do in 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 the right way to approach in the right way. And they've they've all had strategies, but so far none of them are working out. I'm, I'll be excited to see what happens with Trimble and Transborion. Actually, um, that that's going to be a very interesting one because if Trimble try to push the you were saying earlier about the the US market and how interesting it is, um, you know where CH Robinson play and and it is very interesting and everyone you know wants a piece of that pie. But you have also got the European market, which is pretty interesting as well. Um, if Trimble try to force what they do onto the European market, uh, that's going to be a I mean, it's not really going to work very well. Um, that, that's, that's not how Europe works. So, yeah, the, the, it all depends on strategy. We'll, we'll see. But we can learn from other companies' mistakes. And then the next one that comes along hopefully can do a better job. And we will eventually get to that moment where it's like, wow, these guys did what? They Wow. Yes. You know, but I'm still I'm still waiting to see it. Maybe it'll be Maersk. Who knows? Maybe. Well, so let's let's maybe move over to m and I mean, I mentioned the C.H. Robinson thing. You just mentioned yeah. it. What, uh, there has been, there was a lot of chatter in the second half of last year about different permutations of forwarder slash 3PLs kind of merging with one another. Um, mm-hmm. D.B. Shankers was obviously, you know, kind of fairly out there on the market in terms of, and then they, I think they finally acknowledged it late in the year. Um, People had been speculating about C.H. Robinson for a while, about them, you know, maybe selling their forwarding unit. And now with the change in at the top, right? So now the the rumor mill has gone out of control, right? So there, everybody has a thought about what C.H. Robinson's next move should be. What what do you think would be the smart move for them to, to do? Oh, gosh. This goes back to what we were saying earlier, where we shouldn't tell people the whole story. We shouldn't tell people what we think. We should try and help them have their own right. thoughts. But yeah. I like the idea just because I love change and disruption and I think that's how we're going to get innovation and you know um I love the idea of a, a flexport CH Robinson kind of thing going on um and and that's purely because they both need it yeah. and they can either both succeed together or fail together that's how I see it and it will accelerate either outcome and yeah, I, I think that'll be a great thing for the industry, whatever happens. And I know that sounds bad, like saying it'd be great if they both fail together, but at least we will be able to learn from that failure and something else will come into that space. Because the business that Serge Robinson do, the business that Flexport do, that volume is not going to disappear. That's still going to need to be done by someone. And the people that work at these companies, they're still going to need to go somewhere to handle that volume. There's a lot of smart people in these two companies that, that, are, that are working there. Um, and they will have no problem, you know, changing jobs and moving. I'm not worried about the people. What I'm worried about is what these companies represent and where they're at today. Serge Robinson has probably made a lot of bad decisions on the tech side. 
And then um, Flexport, as I wrote about again, um, I mean, I guess they're moving away from being a tech company to being a global 3PL now, like they said. Uh, yeah, well, good luck to them with that. But if they were to to work together, that would give Flexport what they need to be able to actually hit the ground running as a global 3PL. It's kind of buy your way in thing. Um, they, they could do it. And um, CH Robinson would then, I guess, be in a more stable situation. I saw someone was saying, I, I don't remember who, but they were saying Dave Clark would be great for that role because of you know, his background. And I don't really know much. All, all I know is what I've been seeing about Amazon and the legacy he's left there and what Amazon are going through now. And some people are saying Amazon are going to have to cut back all the warehousing and all the staff. And we're looking at another 20,000 people losing their jobs and warehouses closing down and everything. That's scary to think about. So if they go building that kind of thing with Flexport, um, I hope that they do it with a, a little bit more restraint and Flexport walk before they run. And if they do work together with CH Robinson, that could allow them to show that restraint because it's a much more complicated picture. And the people at CH Robinson would be able to bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience to that table and hopefully question the leadership and say, you want to do what? Because we've got to remember, these people are not forwarders at Flexport. They don't have that experience. I mean, I'm not a forwarder, but I know that freight forwarding is something very specific and you need you know experience to run these big 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 businesses so it's going to be um it's going to be an interesting outcome uh, but so people were saying flexport and db Schenker. i don't see that one necessarily as much it's not the same backyard it's not the same geographical location um and i mean there's yeah. a isn't there a like some of these combinations i've seen there's also like a financial reality right like see robinson is not like Flex, Flexport is what valued at something like eight or it was eight, eight or ten. This that was a year ago, right? I mean, it may mm -hmm. it may be lower than that now. It might be higher. I don't know. I I don't know how these things really are calculated, but uh, I mean, they would have to raise some serious capital to acquire either of those two companies because it's oh, you yeah. know in a reverse merger. Again, I'm not a finance person, so some of this stuff just like I feel like a little kid. Um. It's 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 fantasy as well, you know. There, yeah, it, there's a chance it doesn't happen. Like it, it it'd be interesting, sure. But then you could also say, you know, a CH Robinson and a and a DSV, for example, that would make total sense. It'd make more sense from a financial perspective, and you know, DSV would be able to get some interesting business over there in NA and, and expand. And if they could bring cargo wise onto the freight forwarding arm of CH Robinson, and that's basically plug and play for DSV. Now they've done it like three times. They did Panopina agility that DSV have got that down. So they could, they could easily do that. And, and that's that part saved. Um, and then for the, I mean, they've got smart people. So I'm guessing for the rest of the business, they'll be able to optimize and improve. And so that, that also makes a lot of sense. You know, DSV are great at that. I mean, what they did with Panopina, that, shows that they are in one of the best positions to go in and 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 buy these equivalent businesses and turn them around and do some great things with them um i'd, I'd love to see that as well actually that, that'd be a fun outcome um that'd be very interesting to see well, one of the sad things is whatever happens i don't necessarily see ch robinson coming out of this without some kind of acquisition or some some change there because they're in everyone knows now the problems they've got everyone knows the situation they're in if they if something drastic doesn't happen, it's only downhill from here. And um, our industry is about consolidation. And as soon as you show some weakness, that's it. Sharks are circling. Companies want to grow. You know, D DSV want to be number one, right? You've got Kunanago at the top, DHL, DSV. They're all, you know, juggling to, to, to take that top spot. 
DB Schenker, who's going to require that? You could have DHL acquire DB Schenker and DSV acquire C.H. Robinson and all of these crazy things could happen. And right now it's, everything's possible. Everything's possible. Well, how's that for setting the tone for 2023? Everything is possible. Um, Let me, let me ask, I had a bunch more questions, so we have to have you back at some point. Um, But I always end every, every show or guest uh, appearance on the show with my question, my favorite question, what's your favorite band or musician? And you have to tell me why. That's a That's great it. question. I couldn't say why. All I can say is what I'm listening to a lot right now. That's it. Okay. Um, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Aerosmith and a lot of Eminem. And I love the collab that they did. Um, for some reason, I listen to, I can listen to that for an hour. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, I got, there's something I love about mixing of genres um it, it i just find it really well i'm, I'm dating myself i'm dating myself here but i mean like many kids of the 80s i learned about aerosmith through them you know through run dmc redoing a aerosmith song in the mid 80s right so yeah yeah that that collab that collaboration stuff has been really interesting for a long time and i guess they've been probably more open to it than most so very cool yeah. you can't go wrong with aerosmith I think well, I read when, when, when I saw, he, oh, sorry. I think I read that Steven Tyler said he spent $5 million over his lifetime on cocaine, which is an interesting tidbit about it. It was like, okay. wow, it's pretty well, good to be in a position yeah. where you spend that much money on destroying your body, but you know, go for it. Uh, sure. I mean, he's, he's still going strong. I saw him on the um, Eminem's hard. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I know. Eminem recently, and, and he made an appearance. And Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's still going strong. He's, uh, you know, him and uh, Keith Richards, they'll outlive us all. So, uh, <laughs> well, Anthony, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been awesome. We will definitely have you back at some point. Uh, people can find you on LinkedIn. I think it's not hard to find you. You're, you are as, as consistent as anybody on uh, on LinkedIn. So um, is, is that the best place for people to reach you? Yeah, LinkedIn's the best. If you know, you know, you know me, if anyone's got any questions or comments, just reach out. I'm struggling to get through my messages and I'm not saying that. It's just LinkedIn is a horrible platform to get through them, but it's, you know, just reach out and I'm, I'm always... Uh, it's bad at the actual like interaction. So. Oh, it's horrible to use yeah, and messages disappear and th- it's, yeah. But anyway, LinkedIn I'll aside, wait. just reach out. I'll answer any questions. I'm always happy for it to have a chat. And uh, yeah, let's let's hope for a great 2023. And as we said, anything can happen. I think we'll stick with that for 2023. That's a good yeah. one. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Thanks, we'll, we'll talk soon. Bye. All right. Uh, I w- didn't expect anything less, but a thought-provoking conversation with Anthony. Um, definitely reach out to him on LinkedIn, uh, comment, message him directly. Uh, so real quickly before we wrap up, dad joke of the week. It's not my best one, but I want to set the bar low so I can get better as the year progresses. Why did the jam business fail? Because they spread themselves too thin. Don't do that. Focus. Focus. Don't get that scope creep happen and ruin your jam business. Um, thank you to Anthony. Thank you to Sarah and the, and my awesome producer of the show, Nicole. Uh, amazing as always. Uh, thank you first and foremost to everyone who tunes in. Uh, every episode uh, in sports the show I cannot thank you enough I have a ball doing this so as long as you people keep coming I will keep doing this uh, and as long as Sarah and her team keep inviting me back I will keep doing this uh, check out my sub stack uh, just had a new uh, post earlier today check me on joc.com we have a brand new website it's killer we have this cool new data feature called the gateway that you should really try out it has all sorts of cool data sets 
uh, to play around with and that you can pull into charts and I mean, uh, presentations and social, it's really cool. Um, and I'll see you in two weeks with another fantastic episode. I'm actually going to be, it's going to be the first on-site live episode with my guests that I've done on Log Tech Live. Uh, that's my only spoiler alert, but it's going to be cool. So uh, I will see you in two weeks. Have a great new year, everyone. And hopefully we'll also see you in Las Vegas and uh, Long Beach in a couple uh, months. Bye-bye. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Eric and Anthony. It's always so en enlightening to hear Anthony's perspective on supply chain startups, supply chain technology, and then obviously the questions that Eric uh, goes into and asks the guests every single time. Makes me think about everything a little bit differently, and I hope that it did the same for you. Now, you can tune into Eric's live show every first and second Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. You'll learn about tech and always get plenty of dad jokes from Eric, not me. If you want to catch up on previous Log Tech episodes or any other episodes from Let's Talk Supply Chain, head over to letstalksupplychain.com or the Let's Talk Supply Chain YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification button. Plus, again, if you're looking for a solution to your supply chain challenge, we have most likely had them on the podcast and we dive into why you should work with them and whether you're even an ideal client um, for them. So head over to the search bar at letstalksupplychain.com. Put in your keyword. All of our content will come up. Before I send you off, though, tune into our next episode of Woman in Supply Chain next week, where we have another powerful journey to share, all stemming from someone who helps run one of our favorite companies in the enterprise resource planning or ERP world. Do you have any guesses on who that might be? Well, come back next week to find out. And our content is here for you to listen to and watch and read. And you can support the show in a few ways, and it helps so much. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram, Facebook. Um, give us a like, comment, be part of the conversation. Subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or even subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also find some really cool supply chain gear in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. My favorite right now is our tote bag that honestly, I think all supply chainers need. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show great week everyone thanks for listening and remember ship happens